In what's becoming a crowded race, private space companies are looking to the skies, armed with innovative approaches to space flight. In a leap toward affordable flights, SpaceX's ride-sharing program now lets satellite operators catch Uber-like rides on a Falcon 9 rocket. And while most space rockets take off from a stationary launch pad, Virgin Orbit prefers to attach its rockets to airplanes and send the airplane up first. Whether it's by working to reduce the costs associated with spaceflight or offering creative initiatives designed to make it easier for smaller satellite operators to reach orbit, SpaceX, Virgin Orbit, and emerging private companies make hitching a ride into space easier than ever before. The latest satellite launches and ride-sharing missions offer a first glimpse at what spaceflight can accomplish with new capabilities, all the while traveling to new heights and expanding the limits of human exploration. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story is about SpaceX's SmallSat Rideshare Program. Announced back in August 2019, the rocket share service aims to make it easier for small satellite owners to launch into space. Looking to offer customers a better experience at lower costs, the firm has been inviting customers to sign up for its Uber-like service, hoping to make the space industry all the more broadly accessible. Our second story is about Virgin Orbit, the space launch company that wants to send satellites into orbit by attaching rockets to airplanes. After a failed first attempt in May 2020, the company is working to conduct its next launch for NASA's CubeSat launch initiative by the end of 2020. Hoping to set new standards for the launch business, private companies like Virgin Orbit continue to set the pace for the future of space flight. This is The Abstract, a look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, how SpaceX's ride-sharing program is making the space industry more affordable by allowing satellite operators to hitch rocket rides. Lift off of Falcon 9 and Starlink Ocho. Falcon 9 has just had a successful liftoff from Pad 40 for its first Starlink rideshare carrying three planet sky sats and our SpaceX Starlink satellites. That was a June 13th, 2020 Falcon 9 launch from Florida's Cape Canaveral Air Force Station. Besides its batch of 58 more Starlink satellites for its satellite internet network, the capsule had at least three small sats tucked away in its cargo for studying the Earth from above. These three satellites essentially hitched a ride with SpaceX's Starlink satellites, taking part in the very first of the company's rideshare program launches. According to SpaceX, it just happened to have some extra room on its rocket one weekend, and a few small sat companies decided to cram their tech into the remaining crevices for a handsome discount. And with that, we see how through SpaceX's SmallSat rideshare program, these SmallSat companies can save money on rocket launch costs by essentially uber-pooling with other planned launches. Jessica Anderson, lead manufacturing engineer at SpaceX, explains. Our customer, Planet, who is the operator of the largest constellation of Earth observation satellites, is sending up three high-resolution satellites on this mission. What's really quite remarkable is the contract for the rideshare was signed just six months ago. As part of our new rideshare program, we're offering sun-synchronous orbit missions approximately three times a year and have a frequent launch opportunities to mid-inclination. 
The ride-sharing program could pave the way for other small sat companies. Since launching these tiny projects solo costs too much to be worth the trouble. The spacefaring firm has invited customers to sign up for its Uber-like rideshare. And just seven days after the ride-sharing mission debuted, the company announced on Twitter that over 100 spacecraft had signed up to use the service, a milestone that some suggest means the program may be onto something. Here to explain more is Inverse's Mike Brown joining us from London. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Good. So just a week into SpaceX's rideshare program, the company pulls off a milestone. A few missions later, the reception is very strong, perhaps even warmer than expected. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it seems like uh, a lot of companies have signed up to this so far. We know, based on what SpaceX has told us, that more than 100 spacecraft have signed up to fly on the Falcon 9 since they launched the ride-sharing program. This was announced back in August 2019, so uh, that's like less than a year since the announcement, and they've already had very strong reception so far. The basic idea is that you can send up a, uh, a small satellite into space, you can pay as low as a million dollars to send it up. That's uh, well out of my price range. But, uh, you know, if you've got that kind of money, then uh, SpaceX has got you covered. So initiatives like this new program only do more to help make the space industry seem more affordable or more tangible. Is this ultimately a, a big step toward cheaper flights, big picture? Yeah, absolutely. I think the way to think about it really is with the Uber analogy. You know, you open up the Uber app to uh, take a uh, taxi somewhere and you have a choice between whether to get a normal Uber, um, which is just you and your passengers or getting in the car going from A to B, or it's Uber Pool where the app tries to work out which other people are going in the uh, same general direction to you. And that works out to be a little bit cheaper. So you can see how, uh, you know, when you group together people like that, you know, using one launch vehicle, you know, we're doing the same thing here, really. We're using one rocket to send up multiple satellites at once. Again, this is becoming the next space race of sorts on our radar. But there's been a lot going on in this space, right? Companies at work here trying to make things happen. There's uh, also Rocket Lab, which is also looking at this small satellite space. They're doing it from a slightly different angle, though. Whereas SpaceX is saying, look, we have this big Falcon 9 rocket and uh, you can send up a satellite alongside some other satellites in the same launch. Rocket Lab is saying, uh, oh, well, we're making a smaller rocket so we can send up your satellite to wherever you want to go to. And yeah, I mean, if you think about the difference back to the sort of Uber and Uber pool idea, the difference between uh, getting in the Uber and going directly to your destination or having to worry about like what other people are doing versus being in the Uber pool and uh, having those sort of constraints about timings, etc. Um, you can also see how uh, if you're the small player on a uh, ride sharing launch, you're going to be constrained somewhat by what the uh, by what the big player is doing by the person who's footing the bill for the uh, for the bulk of the uh, rocket launch so as cool as this progress is you know getting an uber like ride from a falcon 9 is a cool concept 
What's really exciting is what's yet to come, it seems. You know, you look at something like the Starship, for example, that could really take things to the next level. Still a huge deal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the Starship is billed as SpaceX's vehicle for getting to the moon, the Mars and beyond. But it's also meant to be the uh, replacement vehicle for Falcon 9 missions. And this is a a much bigger stainless steel rocket. You see some of these pictures and uh, it looks very impressive, these prototypes. But say, for example, the Falcon 9 can send up 60 Starlink satellites at once. There has been a uh, concept rendering of what a Starship would look like filled up with with 240 satellites all at once. And you you can imagine this uh, ride-sharing idea expanding out to have even more satellites or, uh, you know, larger satellites shines together at once. Full story is at inverse.com. In the meantime, Mike, thanks so much. Thank you. As Virgin Orbit gears up for new missions, it hopes equipping a Boeing 747 with a launcher rocket could help change the satellite launching game. Up now, how a unique approach to spaceflight could change the face of the small satellite industry. On a Tuesday in 2020, May 25th to be precise, Virgin Orbit's debut mission sent up a Boeing 747 equipped with a Launcher 1 rocket that was made to fall from under the plane, ignite, and launch horizontally. The Boeing 747, dubbed Cosmic Girl, some say is a reference to British funk band Jamiroquai, the song you just heard. Pure conjecture, but in the realm of possibility, the band's last album came out on Virgin EMI after all. But we digress. Anyway, the rocket successfully detached and ignited its engines, but after nine seconds of success, an unknown anomaly occurred. Here is more inspirational spaceflight soundtrack in tow from Virgin Orbit's official mission recap. We then guided the rocket to its trajectory, and at that point, we did have an issue uh, in the system and the engine shut down. Clearly, some disappointment that we we didn't get to finish the flight and, and take it to orbit, but we were all prepared for that. We collected an enormous amount of data. Our engineers are pouring through the data now. We'll be applying lessons learned to our next rocket, which is right here in the factory being prepared. We'll make whatever modifications we need to, and we'll get to the next flight. The Launcher 1 rocket didn't make it into orbit as the team hoped, but Virgin Orbit says it will move on with more confidence than ever. Although it ended in failure, the mission is still a big step forward, and it's the perfect opportunity for the rest of us to brush up on all things Virgin Orbit. The company taking a unique approach to spaceflight, going up against Elon Musk's SpaceX and Jeff Bezos's Blue Origin. Here to break it all down for us is Inverse's Mike Brown. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Hey, not too bad. How are you? Good. So Virgin Orbit's first attempt at a win didn't exactly go according to plan as far as its debut mission went. But I understand they've still learned some valuable lessons, as they say (laughs) is important to do. But where does Virgin Orbit stand? What positives do they have to say of the success of the mission? And, And where do they go from here as a big contender in this very specific space race? Well, I think the the important thing to bear in mind is that a lot of uh, companies don't 
won't make orbit on their first attempt and it was uh, always going to be uh, quite impressive if Virgin Orbit managed to reach it on first attempt. Really the uh, mission taught us a few different things. It taught Virgin that its plans for launching, they went according to plan. The uh, Boeing 747, which is dubbed Cosmic Girl, it had the Launcher 1 rocket on the underneath. The Boeing took off as expected, the rocket released from the uh, underside as expected the engines ignited but about nine seconds after um, ignition that's when an unknown anomaly occurred and the uh, rocket had to terminate so uh, some success there uh, some failure obviously it didn't reach orbit um, but what virgin can go away knowing is that its uh, assumptions about ignition and how it disengages were accurate Plus, you know, again, they're they're throwing their hat into this very big ring. You know, you have Bezos and Musk sort of running the show here. We're all learning about all of these players in this very big game, not to mention all the private companies, you know. So let's size up Virgin Orbit for those a little less familiar. Break a few things down. Big question people always have is, is this the same as Virgin Galactic? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's not the same as Virgin Galactic. It's a uh, spinoff um, from 2017. Virgin Galactic is uh, focused on these uh, suborbital human space flights. Virgin Orbit is going to be focused more on uh, sending up small satellites into orbit. And you hear the you know, small satellite and you think, oh, that's not very exciting. But there is a lot to be said for uh, more companies offering this kind of service. Because if you have um, all of these players with their giant rockets sending up huge payloads every time. It means you have to do more of what's called ride sharing, where you have like a few different satellites in one launch. So really what a small rocket allows you to do is uh, you, you can be more flexible with your launch times. You don't have to follow what everyone else on the mission is doing. It basically uh, allows you a bit more freedom to uh, sort of choose the terms of your own launches taking that unique approach to spaceflight, how else is it looking to gain traction in this space in terms of its future goals? How does it get there? Well, what it really needs to do is to um, establish itself as a uh, small satellite launcher. It does have some competition from the likes of uh, SpaceX launching its small satellites. We also have uh, Rocket Lab, which is doing a lot of interesting work with its launches in uh, New Zealand and elsewhere. Really, uh, what it needs to do is develop a history, really, of successful launches and then uh, it sort of becomes this snowball effect as it gains more experience and it refines its technologies. There is a uh, interesting approach with how Virgin Orbit is going about it with this Boeing 747 that will take off because that means you, uh, you have different sort of infrastructure. You know, you need a uh, airport style sort of takeoff strip versus something like SpaceX, which would be using uh, NASA's launch complexes around Florida. So it's different approaches and it's about refining that technology and proving that they have a uh, track record for third parties. Again, there are so many private companies we have still yet to mention, and there's so much more interest in this space. And I just wonder the prospects, because it's such an interesting time. You know, we have COVID-19 to throw into the mix. How would you assess these very interesting times as it pertains to the space race? The COVID-19 pandemic is uh, obviously not ideal for uh, these companies beyond uh, sort of changing how they operate 
it also means that um, excited fans can't go and see these launches. Um, so that was a problem with the uh, Crew Dragon launch, the uh, first crewed mission at the end of May. That meant that, uh, you know, this was a very exciting time for this uh, emergent second space race. And uh, people couldn't witness it. You know, they, they were told to uh, stay at home, observe social distancing, etc. But for the long term, you know, we look at uh, how these companies are uh, reducing the cost of space flight and uh, making it easier for companies to uh, send their satellites into space. Not just companies either. We've got a lot of uh, student projects that are, uh, you know, designing very interesting what we call CubeSats, these tiny uh, satellites. They're sending those up on missions. You know, even beyond the um, commercial aspects and the uh, you know, the projections from uh, Morgan Stanley look very promising for the, uh, you know, 2040s. When you look to the long term, it's uh, projected to be a very big industry in the future. But even for uh, scientific discovery and opening up space exploration to uh, students and other groups, you know, trying out these ideas and making new discoveries, it's a... Uh, it's a very exciting time. Absolutely. Listeners can read more at inverse.com. Mike covers all of this at length, so you want to make sure you head there. Mike, thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. Head to inverse.com to read more about how private space companies are looking to shake up space travel. You can click on the link in the show notes for all stories we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. Find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening.